You're tuned into the Arc Sober Recovery Podcast. My name is AJ. I'm not an addiction counselor, specialist, or professional. On this podcast, you'll hear discussion regarding 12-step recovery programs and how they have impacted our lives. However, the podcast is not a promotion or an endorsement of any 12-step fellowship as a whole. The opinions shared on this show are those of the individual speaker. If you or someone you love is suffering from addiction and needs help, call Recovery Centers of America at 1-855-487-9626. There you will find detox, inpatient and outpatient services in Danvers and Westminster, Mass. Not all locations have the same services, so check the website, recoverycentersofamerica.com. In addition to the two Massachusetts facilities, you can find two facilities in Maryland, five facilities in New Jersey, and two in Pennsylvania. Another recovery treatment option is Banyan Treatment Center, started by pro skateboarder Brendan Novak. The number here is 1-888-643-1286. Locations include Massachusetts, Illinois, Pennsylvania, and Florida. Also, help with addiction can be received at Foundations Recovery Network, foundationsrecoverynetwork.com, 1-855-817-7317. Locations include California, Georgia, Illinois, Michigan, and Tennessee. October Recovery Podcast, Episode 20. pretty cool i mean it's it's very surreal because i mean i never really thought that staying sober for you know a whole year it just seemed like it was such a um i don't even know how to put it i mean just such like an unattainable thing for me i'm like i could i could get sober for a month you know i could just say I'm not going to do something for like a month um but I mean for like a whole year until like have it become like a way of life for me well, I mean uh, let's let's rethink this you know I mean was it really that bad and for me it 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 was I mean it was just continuing to get worse and worse for me um let's talk about it yeah and 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 I w- I want to hear that's why we're here I want to hear your story I want to hear what happened but um did you is you talk about you said you could get a month or you thought you could get a month was that part was that part of your thing you get a month and then go back out or? yeah but I would get a month and the thing about it was is I would get a month of not drinking or I would get a month of not smoking weed or not doing cocaine or not doing ad I could put one thing down for a month and give myself credit for it but to actually stop everything. And not be seeking relief in something else and be switching seats on the Titanic. No, 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 no. So now I look at it, I'm like, when was I ever actually give, getting a month? 
I mean, I'm getting up and getting a, a month's chip because, yes, I, I wasn't drinking. But, you know, I'm taking rips out of the bong in my apartment, like, right before I'm, I'm getting up there, you know, red-eyed and empty-handed and sitting back with a month's chip saying, oh, you know, I'm really giving this an honest effort here. Did you know, though? Like, did you know, did you think you were sober? And and I, I- For me, I was like, because I would, I would hear, like, in meetings, this is an AA meeting sometimes. You know, this is an AA meeting. Let's talk about AA. And I'm like, you know what? I like those guys over there, you know, because they it, obviously not like they're not going home and smoking weed and doing lines and stuff like that. But I'm like, oh, yeah, this is AA. I'm not drinking. So, yeah, I'm sober, you know, and it's just it was like you were getting what you wanted to hear. Right. Right. But that's my mind just twisting things into what I want to hear versus what's the truth. I mean, the truth is, is I'm not sober, you know. And that's why I would always go out because I get a month and I'm like, you know what? Uh, yeah, I'm not drinking, but am I actually sober? And I'm like, if I'm doing this stuff and I did it for a month, I mean, why can't I just start drinking again? You know, and then it's, I'm back on the hamster wheel again. Bingo. And then I'm doing everything again over and over and over again. And that's for the last, uh, it was about four years when it really kind of took a turn. That's when it was just kind of like, for me, the, the, the party's over for me, you know? Um, so where were you? So where you, you, you're from the neighborhood. I'm from, you're, I grew, from I was born here, and raised in Stoneham. Here. Yeah. And you had, I've met your dad. So yeah. You had a mom and dad at home. Yep. And, uh, you can fill in a little bit about, you know, what, how you grew up there. What that yeah. So I was, like. um, I was, uh, I was born and raised in Stoneham, um, you know, my father's in the program. My grandfather got my father in the program. So it was my grandfather on, on my mom's side helped my dad get sober. And my dad's been sober for a really long time. I mean, I've never seen him drink, you know, and um but he's he stays uh he stays very grounded in the program, you know. He doesn't he doesn't really talk about uh he doesn't put himself on a pedestal by any means, you know, and, um, was your yeah. dad, your dad, so your dad was a role model to you growing up. Oh, absolutely. That's, and I absolutely. Kinda, I, I asked that question. So I would hear you say that yeah. because we were just talking about this this morning. All I can do now, Zach is be a role model to my kids. Yeah. By, by trying to do the right thing. I don't have the manual to be in a dad. I know nobody else does. For me, it it just it doesn't come supernatural. Other people look at me and say, "Oh, you're a good dad." Blah blah blah. Yeah, I'm telling you what's inside. But what does come natural now, which I love and I'm so grateful for, is I know that the best thing and one of the only, you know, boiled down, the best thing I can do for them is is be a good role model, and I get that through the 12 steps that are on the board, you know, that's where I get it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Without question. But so your dad, yep. So he was a role model for you. He, he doesn't put himself on a pedestal. Yeah. I, no. I love that. So, I mean, the, the thing about it though is, um, you know, so he gets sober before I'm born. And I think the way I was raised was, he wanted my childhood to be different than his childhood, you know? 
Why? How was his? Uh well, he had he had four brothers and sisters, a lot of freedom, you know. Um, my grandfather, you know, put food on the table and did his job. You know, that's kind of that was kind of his thing. You know, what I mean, they they weren't. Um, I mean, he he definitely he got everything he needed, you know, but um, it wasn't like a very uh, loving, you know, hugging. Let's talk about our feelings and stuff like that. That just wasn't the way he was raised, you know. And and my grandparents did the best they could, you know. And um, but yeah, I, I don't think he wanted. I don't think he wanted me to have a childhood where you know I had a a really long leash and and could make some of the same decisions that he made at a young age. He wanted to really keep me on uh on the straight and narrow. And for me honestly, I kind of I started to rebel against that later, you know. Once I get to high school, you know, you're telling me I got to be home at nine o'clock. All right, well, eight thirty, I'm probably gonna turn my phone off and then I'm gonna come in at midnight. And then, I don't know. It's we'll <laughs> see what happens. Okay. I don't care. You know, well, like I, yeah. I, what are you gonna do? Like you know. So what kind of? I'm interested. So what kind of? Um, because he sees a level-headed guy if he's following. I mean, in my opinion, he's a level-headed guy. Yeah. If he's following the traditions. Of yeah. The yeah. So what? It would just be a. It would be a, an honest, uh, acceptable punishment. Or what, how would that work? Uh, it was usually running. He would make me run like. Oh no! Oh, you'd have to physically run. Yeah, no, he would take me down to Spot Pond and stone him like five miles, and he'd be like, "Get out of the car and run okay. around the thing." That's your punishment. For yeah, and I'm like, <laughs> "Fuck you!" You know, it's like, all right, well, you're seven miles from the house, so you could either walk home or just run five miles, and then I'll, you know, we can go home after. You know, I'm like, whatever. You know, there was definitely some. uh I would say unorthodox techniques because um, baseball was like the thing that really kind of drew us together in the sports. It wasn't like, oh, go running because of that. It kind of went hand in hand with I'm doing a lot of running for baseball anyway. So um, it, it was some of it was just like I look back on them like I'd have like a pitching lesson, right? Um, it'd be up in like. Salisbury or something like that he would drop me off like two hours I mean two miles down the road like 20 minutes before my pitching lesson he'd be like all right I'm gonna be at the place and you gotta get there you know in about 15 minutes you know if you're late for the thing I'm gonna be fucking pissed at you wow and you need to warm up I'm like I don't running two fucking miles before a pitching lesson is but I mean again it was uh some of the stuff I just look back on and uh, I appreciate it though, you know, because I mean it, it kind of brought out the best in me as a as a baseball player because I never really looked at myself as uh, I didn't think I had a lot of natural talent, you know. I don't know where that came from or, or what it was because I was always, you know, I was always performing well, but for me personally, I didn't think like I was just gifted, you know better than everybody or you know god-given arm or anything like that that just wasn't me you know and uh i thought my dad really just kind of like manufactured like a baseball player all i did was show up you know and uh yeah i mean 
it's it's weird to think about now. It's baseball just feels like it's such a distant memory for me. Yeah. And you now know? you saw the field across the street. That yeah. Back yeah. Yeah. Back. Yeah. No, so, definitely. But that was a big part of you. That was a big part. So did you continue? Did you high school and college? Play? Yep. Yeah. 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 I played baseball at uh, I went to high school at, um, in Peabody, private school in Peabody, Bishop Fenway. Oh, sure. Yeah. 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 Right down the street. Yeah. And then college. Yeah. I went to uh, St. Anselm. Oh, wow. My daughter just got accepted. Nice. Go Hawks. She's considering it. Yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome. And you played ball, yeah? Yep. Yep, good. And how'd that end up going? Pretty good. I mean, it it, it worked for me. I mean, I I the thing about it is, like, when I got to college, I looked at the structure that my dad gave me. Mm-hmm. That really carried me through college, you know? Because, I mean, yeah, I go up there and, like, I got all this freedom and stuff like that, yes. but... I mean, my parents aren't rich, you know, they do well, but they're not, they worked really hard to get where they were. And from a young age, I was, I always had it kind of really hammered home to me. Like a lot of people don't have these opportunities, you know, and, and we're making sacrifices to give you and your sister a life that we never had, you know, and we're giving you guys everything, you know. So the only thing we ask for is you guys, you know, understand that you have a great opportunity to do things that, one, a lot of other people don't really have. And, two, we don't need to do this, you know. We we really don't. We we could just have you pay for your own way to college and stuff like that, you know. Um, even high school. I mean, having the opportunity to go to a private high school was um, – I was really fortunate for that. And – um. So, like, when I got to college, that was, like, one of the things that I really tried to, uh, like, I always wanted to make sure that my grades were up there, you know? So, you were responsible. Yeah. Well, so, like, the thing about it was, on the outside, right, like, I was was making the dean's list, like, every semester. Um, I'm doing well on the field, you know, um in practices and stuff like that. The coaches liked me. My teachers liked me and stuff like that. But I loved the extracurriculars too. I mean, the first weekend when I got there, um, this was like orientation, right? And um, I end up, we end up like somehow finding like this, uh, I don't even know what we were doing. It was just like everything, you know, a little weed and beers and in hard liquor it's just like in they're in like Poland spring bottle you know because we don't want the RAs to find us obviously you know and um so we end up we end up just doing a little drinking and stuff like that and uh we come back around like three o'clock and um we're outside I end up I end up passing out and hitting my head on a curb EMTs come put me on a stretcher. I haven't even started college yet. They take me to, they take me to this place in uh, New Hampshire, the, the CMC. They think my neck could be broken. (laughs) And, um, they take me to the top floor, put me in a helicopter, fly me to mass, uh, to Boston medical. And I wake up and I get my parents and my sister in the hospital bed. I mean, at the, at the end of the bed. Looking at me like, dude, what is going on with you, you know? And in my mind, 
and like I really think about this now, the only thing going through my mind was I need to get back up there. Like the school needs me up there, Uh you know, like whatever, just kind of bad luck. I'm fine. My neck's not broken. I got tryouts in a couple days and I just got to put this thing behind me. You know, I got way too much partying left to do up there, you know? Yeah. And, um, that's just, that's crazy. You know, like I didn't, my sister's crying her eyes out. I'm like, what is, what is her problem? You know? Yeah. No, like no regard for other people's feelings or anything like that. I'm like, yeah, you know. And part of that's because you're young. Right. Right. And the the consequences, there weren't any consequences for it. The school never didn't even know. So, I mean, I was, I was great at, at making up stories too. So when I had to meet with the school, obviously, I mean, somebody splits their head open. Obviously, you're going to associate it with, you know, drinking and drugs. Um, I meet with the school and like, we had, we had like this hypnotist there. Right. (laughs) And I blamed it on the hypnotist saying like, yeah, I don't know, whatever reason, like, and I don't even think they bought it, but they didn't have anybody there as like witnesses saying like, oh, the kid was like fucked up or anything like that. So nothing happened with it. And the baseball coaches never found out about it. I went to tryouts. I mean, I'm sure I had a concussion, but it just wasn't. I, I didn't want to get started on the wrong foot, you know. Shit, so too late. Yeah. Right. Right. That was so, your first. That was pre classes. Yeah. And then was it more of the same after that? Did it? Did you like? What was? What was your college overall life like? Were you? Was it alcohol? Like, can you look back now and see alcoholism? Yeah. Oh no, absolutely. I mean, I was, I, I like to drink as much as I could. I mean, my senior year, it was just kind of like, but I always got my stuff done, you know? So to me, I'm like, yeah, I'm a functioning alcoholic. I'm a functioning drug addict until I'm not, you know, but why would I stop? Why would I, why do I need to, It's so fun. you know, why am I doing that? I'm the last one I'm the last one to go to bed, right, on a on a Saturday night, and we got 6 a.m. practice, and I'm blowing everybody away in our conditioning. I don't have a problem, you know. The problem is the person that has a couple beers and can't get up for practice, you know. I can drink as much as I want as long as I'm getting my stuff done. I'm still— I'm actually good at it. Right. I'm great at it. And then I, I look at people like—another thing for me was I'm like— I look at Gronk, right, like Gronk's partying all the time. And he's going out there on Sunday, and I'm like, Gronk's doing it. Wow. I can do it. Why? I mean, I don't have an issue with this Interesting. until I did. Yeah. <laughs> you know, until I crossed that line where it, it just wasn't it wasn't happening anymore, you know? Was that after college? Was that? Yeah, after that, college. Yeah. So you get out of college, you get a job right away? or how did Yeah, I had, a jo- I had a job lined up my junior year. First one out of all my friends to have a job lined up. Again, getting able. I'm getting like, your look work at done. me, man. You know, I party better than everybody. I get my, I get higher grades than anybody. Look at me, and that was when it changed for me, right? Like when I was saying, like when I was younger, you know, not thinking like I was, I was good at baseball and 
you know, I'm not that smart of a kid, like a lot of insecurities and stuff like that, you know, then I, I skip ahead to college and I'm like, look at this guy, you know, what the hell was this guy scared of his whole life? You know, this guy's the man over here, you know, and, um, I developed like this, this just insane, you know, ego and just thinking like I got myself here, you know, it has nothing to do with, you know, my parents and the opportunities. No, no, I got myself here, you know, and I actually, I did all this great stuff and it was just, just not good for me. You know, it just wasn't good. I wasn't humble at all. I wasn't grateful and you know, I just didn't care. And, uh, I look back on it now and that's just, uh. Sometimes, sometimes I look at success and like, I'm, I'm just like, that's some, that's a very slippery slope for me, you know, it, like how it's managed and stuff like that, you know, cause sometimes when it goes to your head and stuff like that, you think you're, you know, on top of the world. And like my dad always says, it's a, uh, it's a long fall off a high horse, you know, it's, it's true. And that was definitely the case for me. Yeah. Definitely the case. So you were riding high. Yep. I get out of school and um, yeah, I got I got a job all lined up. So I actually did a year of grad school in between, and uh, I get my own apartment. Two of my roommates that I went to school with, it's just a party land. Oh yeah, it's a party land. I start getting so another thing for me was a uh, I ended up going to see a, a therapist and getting a prescription for Adderall, and that was. I always looked at it and I'm like, oh, you know, I do it in college here and there, like take one during finals week and pretend to go study. Um, we're not taking it to go. I never took it to study. You know, um, I was like, why not? I mean, it's if I can get insurance to pay for it, it's cheaper than cocaine. I know it helps me drink longer. And that was one of the things that that's when it started to take off for me i mean next thing you know i i have a i have a prescription for it i go in there and i sold it you know hey man you know i can't make my bed i don't know what's going on my shoes are untied i can't concentrate all this stuff you know hey would you consider maybe you have oh, you mean you sold your story yeah 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 uh, i think you know well it sounds like you got add like would you consider taking medication oh i don't going in there that's what i'm going in there for yeah oh you know uh, you know the medication route i'm not too sure like maybe i'll try it and see if it works you know like that's that was just how i i like to manipulate situations you know and um to get what i want that's just how i am and um I love your honesty. I just want to say that. Thank yeah. You. Thank you for being on. Because that's what we do here. No, I, we, I mean, we, that's. We, that's what the program. People sit here and we're honest. Yeah. In hopes of helping somebody who's listening. Right. Because fucking Adderall, dude. You're the second person. My friend Lauren sat there. Yeah. And she talked about the same thing. And I'm 49. So, I'm you know, I'm older compared to you. So, obviously, I don't. You know, I see different things, yeah. but um, apparently fucking Adderall is is not a good situation going on right now. No, it's I mean, for me and I, I keep going back and even like my my primary care doctor was like, what's going on here? You know, you're you're uh, you're 23 years old. You never needed this stuff your whole life. Now, all of a sudden, you know, you're 
you Good need for this him for questioning yeah you. and obviously i get pissed i'm like hey you know i mean i don't want to have to change my primary care doctor you know like I, I appreciate you looking out for me doc but i mean look i'm i'm doing just fine i got a job i got a college yeah. degree i appreciate your concern but you can you know you can give other people some opinions i i don't need any you know i I'm certainly good. don't and uh i'm like how's my blood pressure you know well it's a lot higher than it was you know and you're starting to gain weight you know you're not looking as healthy as you know yeah 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 no don't worry about me you know um and yeah it just kind of took off for me um yeah and from day one i mean i got them with the intentions of abusing them abusing using them in x yes absolutely abusing them um I mean, it's as prescribed, right? Like, it's I <laughs> as I feel necessary, you know? Yeah. I mean, Adderall gets prescribed to little kids and stuff like that. I can never get addicted to it, you know, to a day becomes, you know, and I'm snorting them from the beginning. But it said that on the bottle, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it said snort as many as you can in one day, you know? Um, I mean, that's how I looked at it. And it was just, it was insane right from the beginning. I mean, and I just, I needed them for everything. You know, I needed them to go out and drink. I needed them to get up in the morning to go to work. I needed them to go to sleep at night. Like, it's just like, who does like for me, I'm like, why, why in the world would I ever think of snorting a line of Adderall and thinking that I could go to bed after, you know? Just complete insane. I would need to do that before I even did my laundry. Yeah. And what happens? I I go down there into the laundry room, snort a bunch of Adderall, and then next thing you know, my clothes are all soaking wet, and like my laundry doesn't even get done. That's that's what my that's what my life turned into when I was on that stuff. Um, I blow right through it in a week and a half, two weeks, and then I had to start shaking down my friends who had prescriptions. I didn't even tell them I had a prescription for it, right? Because mm. then I'm like, oh, if they start catching on, they might start to think that I have a problem. I can't have that. I don't have a problem. I just need to do more than the average Joe. Um, that's how we. That's how our <laughs> yeah, brain works. I like, can, look at that. I statement. can justify all of it. I could justify all of it in my own mind. And then next thing you know, I start getting involved with other people. I needed it every single day. I needed it every single day, or I could not function. You know. Do you, and I'm naive, so I'm gonna. But so I don't know. Would you say I know it's an amphetamine, or is it in it? I think it's an yeah. amphetamine. Amphetamine. Yeah. Is it cocaine's brother? Is that what Adderall? For me, is? I would. I would. I would use them. You know interchangeably pretty much but i looked at it right and this is i'm like my name's on a prescription bottle here i need this i get pulled over with a bag of cocaine i could you know get in a little trouble no doubt i get pulled over with you know a thing of adderall in in the in the glove compartment i'm good it no one said it had to be my adderall i got a prescription bottle with mine on there it does you know i could have other people's adderall in there and i'll be fine you know you're um you have um uh history with it you have a, you have a story about it 
I've heard I've heard about it from younger friends. I know that's an issue. Have you thought about it much in the the Adderall problem that we have going on in our culture today, or have you not? I mean, it was because for me, I never even thought that people had problems with that stuff. But like, if you're if for me, if I'm snorting something. I, I'm not like if I'm snorting if I'm snorting prescription medicine, that sounds like something that could be getting abused, you know. Like, and it wasn't like I was snorting the two that I was, you know, supposed to be having. You know, I'm crushing up three, four at a time, and I'm, you know, snorting the thing looks like a caterpillar with the, you know, <laughs> orange dust up my nose. But you didn't think people could addicted to could get addicted to it before, but now do Oh no, absolutely. I mean when I first when I first got to AA and I heard, you know, this one guy, his son actually overdosed on it. Wow. And I go, Wow, that's that's pretty heavy stuff, you know? Because, I mean there were times when I'm like, you know, just like, Oh, I mean, this is Yeah. <laughs> this is this might be, you know, I don't know. This might not be a good situation for me. Yeah, like, yeah, you're ready. You know, my heart's Red like Fox. racing. My my Fred my head's like just pounding from it, and mm. um, mm. yeah, it just it just it just wasn't good. And then I mean, from there, yeah, I mean the lengths I would go to get it to me were just that. That's another thing that I got to keep in, in the forefront for me because I was on a job up in Burlington, Vermont, right? And it's snowing up there. Burlington, Vermont is not that close to Stoneham. You know, that, you're <laughs> talking about a four hour plus drive. And so I got a script, I got a, I got a script in my, in my car and it's the prescription can get filled while I'm while I'm up there and I can't get it filled in Vermont. So I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. It's like the first of the month is on like a, a Wednesday and I'm supposed to be up in, in Burlington for two weeks. And I'm like, you know what? Tuesday after work, I'm just going to drive all the way home to the Saugus Walgreens. I'm just going to wait till 12 o'clock. I'm going to get the prescription filled. And then I'm just going to drive all the way back up to Burlington, Vermont and go to work the next day. And I didn't think there was anything wrong with that. Mm. I am prescribed this medicine and I need this or else I cannot go to work and I cannot do anything to do with life the next day. Mm. To me, that that is addiction. I mean, I look at myself. And I was like, you know, I'm not a drug addict. I'm absolutely not a drug addict, you know. But now I look at it. That, to me, is the definition of addiction. Sure. The absolute definition of addiction, in my opinion, you know, for me. Yeah. That's how I know. I look at stuff like that, and I'm like, that's how I know I'm an addict. And going through the prescription in two weeks and then next thing you know I find myself up in uh in Providence Rhode Island or meeting people all over the place that I didn't even know to get stuff that I don't even know what it is I'm told that it's like some type of is it Adderall no it's not Adderall but it's close to Adderall yeah was it gonna give me something to do with that yeah I think so all right fine give me a bunch of you know like yeah, yeah. So that's what you were doing. 
Yeah, I was going. So did you? St- yeah, go ahead. So did you stop? Did you? Were you able to stop that? Did you take like what? Yeah, I mean, it was pretty easy to stop because along with along with gambling, um, I completely burned my whole life to the ground in terms of. I mean, I wasn't getting, I wasn't paying my bills. I mean, I the Eversource lady would come, you know, to shut the electricity off. And I'd be like, hey, what the fuck are you doing? It's like, what the fuck are you doing? You haven't paid your bill in like two months. I'm coming to turn this off. I'm like, ah, oh, screw you, you know. So they'd turn it off. I'd take like a big extension cord. I'd plug it into the com- into the, like the common area down on the first floor, light the whole place up. I'm like, you know what? Only a sucker pays their electricity, you know. Like, yeah, I thought it was brilliant, you know. Angles, yeah. yeah, I mean, just just the life that I had is just um, that I was living was just it was completely, you know, revolved around just getting high, getting drunk, getting something, you know, getting something in my system to get me out of myself. Gambling was another huge thing for me. And I, again, I looked at, oh yeah, there's Gamblers Anonymous and stuff like that, but that's not a mood altering thing. For me, it's 100% a mood altering thing, you know? My father was a gambler and, uh, growing up, I grew up and people who listened before know that it was, uh, it was mental illness, gambling addiction. So it was, you know, the household wasn't super stable, um, but he went, he went, because uh, I remember the book, like he had a GA book, yeah, on the side of his, um, on the side. I don't, I don't think he went back. I mean, my dad, we have an unbelievable relationship today. He yeah. listens, he supports me, yeah, um, and it, you know, I've spoken the truth to him, and and I suspect he speaks the truth to me now, so I can talk about this now. So, but there was a GA book. There was a GA book there, um, and to me, it's like like you said, it's it's fits making your life unmanageable: eating, gambling, drinking, Adderall, Coke. Then you you got an issue right. with it, and you right. have to address it. Yeah, yeah. Were you? Was it like betting on? I'm curious now because I haven't had anybody talk about gambling yet. Oh man, was it scratch tickets? Oh, was holy it, oh shit, shoot, man! No, scratch, scratch tickets. Oh, I so... love scratch tickets. Yeah. I love scratch tickets. Give me the thirty dollars scratch tickets. I had a stack of thirty dollars scratch tickets in my room that was, you know, Ugh. it was thicker than the big book. Yuck. It was crazy. <laughs> it was crazy because you lose on them, but you can enter them online for a second chance drawing. Oh, and I would go in there, you know, I go to the same store. I didn't even give a shit because, again, I don't have a problem. Yeah. And I would be talking to the guy and I'd be like, oh, you know, so and so is in here all the time. Look at her throwing her life away, buying all these scratch tickets, you know, it's fucking sad to look at that, you know. Hey, you know what? Here's uh, let me get three of those thirty dollar tickets. <laughs> you know, like that was just the insanity that I uh, that I had about it. Scratch tickets. Um, I started getting involved with a number of different bookies. I mean, I I would have I I had three bookies at once was probably the the most. And I mean, in the beginning, I did fine. You know, I stuck to sports that I followed closely and i didn't gamble to excess this first guy i had was like you could only bet a hundred bucks max and if you were down like 300 you got capped out all right you know per week um 
and I'm like, oh, I can't get in trouble with this guy, you know? And um, so I'd stick to NFL, you know, NBA. I don't know. I, I would just, I, I was able to kind of keep it, you know, plus I'm winning in the beginning, you know, I'm, and I'm like, oh, you know, like this, this is, is easy. Yeah. I, why am I even, why do I even have a day job? I could oh. just become a professional gambler, you know? And, um, but it's just not, because for me, I am a, a gambling addict and the way I look at it is towards the end, it had absolutely nothing to do with the amount of money I was winning. It was just winning enough for me to just continue gambling. I just wanted to continue gambling until I was at my credit limit, you know, and um, towards the end, I was just, I had, it was probably about like 2000 a week. That was like, how'd you stop? Well, I, I mean, how does anybody stop that? You know, you run out of money. Yeah. You run out of money. I, I was on, I ended up leaving that, that great job that I had out of college. I ended up, after two years, I, I left, you know, because, again, I was I was developing, like, uh, a reputation for myself is, you know, he's he does a great job, you know, does a great job, you know, 90% of the time. That 10% of the time, you have absolutely no idea who the fuck is going to show up, you know. It was funny because, like, I remember um, in the big book, like, there's a story about, like, this guy... He's got like a five million dollar deal, right? And all he has to do is not drink and and show up the next day, and he the deal goes and he gets a five million. And like, those are some of the experiences that I would have, like on a Friday, right? Like the, because I do public accounting, so the partner's coming out on a Friday. He's gonna take us out to lunch. Easy day. All I gotta do is show up, right? And I get home and. All I have to do is not gamble on a million games, not snort a bunch of Adderall or cocaine, whatever I had available to me, and just make it there. And there was a handful of times when I had full intentions of going home and not doing that stuff, and I could not. I could not. I'm up until 4 in the morning, and I got to be up at, at 6 and then I'm like, screw it. All right, I get one hour of sleep, you know, or two hours of sleep. And I wake up, it's like 10, it's like 10 o'clock in the morning, and I was supposed to be there at 8. And then I'm like, what the fuck, you know? And I'm driving there thinking that, like, I need to crash my car into, like, something. Yeah, make up a Come up with an excuse and then call it, like, 1130 and say, hey, that's why I'm, you know, sorry for calling, like, three and a half hours into the workday, but... I got in this horrible accident. <laughs> like yeah. that's the insanity for me, you know? And, um, but I always looked at the other 90% thinking that, you know, the other stuff would just kind of go away and it catches up to you, you know, like you get your performance reviews and I looked at it as like, all right, I got 19 people saying I do a good job. I mean, fuck that one guy, you know, even though his stuff's legitimate, <laughs> screw that guy. You know, I do a good job you know, 19 other times. So, and, um, I felt like I got screwed out of, uh, a promotion that I, I should have got, but I mean, re realistically though, um, I, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have, you know, I, it, it shouldn't have, it shouldn't have happened that way. Um, cause I didn't deserve it. I mean, 
the way I was living, I just absolutely didn't deserve it. Um, so I get pissed and I was like, I don't want to work here anymore. Do I, did I have a job lined up? No, but I didn't need one because I'm the great I am. I'll get a job in two weeks. So I end up leaving that job without a plan and I get a job in two weeks. I'm making more money and why, you know, I can do whatever the hell I want to do, you know, and four months into that job, I end up getting fired because, and it was, it was in the same town and I still couldn't even, I couldn't, I couldn't like show up consistently. Like it was just, it was insane. Um, so that from then I was unemployed for four months, collecting unemployment, you know, um, cashing out 401ks. I'm like, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. Next thing you know, I got nothing. And I would just be like, what the fuck has my life turned into? What the fuck has my life turned into? You know, I, I graduated college. I'm on top of the world. I got a ton of money in the bank. I got a job. You know, I got all this great stuff going on. Then here I am with no job, cashing unemployment checks to go down to Providence, Rhode Island, or even friggin' Mass Ave by the McDonald's in Dorchester to go meet a guy looking around like the other people saying, look at how horrible these people's lives are, you know? For the longest time, I'm like, you know, I ever get as bad as these fucking people, man. You know, maybe I'll do something about it while I'm walking amongst them and at the table, you know, yep. with them saying, if I get as bad as these people, maybe I'll do something about it. Yep. That's insane. That is absolutely insane to think like delusional. Yeah. 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 You know, and. um. So then from there, I end up. I couldn't even I couldn't even get my prescriptions anymore because I don't have insurance. Um, I'm not getting any of my bill. Like I'm just I I don't even know. Like I needed this big bailout plan to happen. You know, for for four months I I pretty much just I ran everything dry. How old are you now at this point? About this was I was like 26. Okay. 26. Yeah, 26. Yeah. Um, nothing. Got nothing. I got nothing. Um, pissed it, pissed everything away. Yeah, pretty much. And I mean, I'm, I'm using the unemployment to just, to just get high. Then at this point I start, you know, I'm like, you know what? I need to go on the marijuana maintenance program. That's going to get me right. You know, because I'm so used to being like way up here, like this, you know, speed freak amphetamine guy, cocaine. I was like, you know what? If I smoke weed, it's going to bring my levels all the way down my chemical imbalance, my chemical balances in my brain are gonna get fixed and stuff like that. And um, honestly, it kind of it kind of worked for a little while because it would just kind of chill me out, and um, it helped me kind of just wean off the other stuff. And but again, for four months, I didn't even look for a job, you know. And I was just like, this is just ridiculous, you know. Um, uh, so I and I start I start going on job interviews and stuff like that. And for me, I don't know what it is, but I just feel like I can um, I can do a good job of just going into a room and just kind of selling myself. For me, getting a job was never like too 
difficult as long it's as one of your strengths. Yeah, I, as long I could go in and like light it up in a room, you know, and and get people to like me and be like, oh, you know, let's give this guy a shot. You know, the time is now. Hire me, you know. Uh, and um, you know, so after four months, I end up getting a job, and um, and then with with the with the weed, I'm just I'm smoking weed all, all day long. Drinking too. Yeah, of course. I mean, I because so, I don't is is drinking like going on constantly all the time. Is it more drugs or I, I would say ahead of myself. I'm just it's kind of it was kind of I mean, I wasn't I wasn't drinking every single day. Yeah. But I mean, I would get on the weekends. I would just get absolutely, you know, I would drink until there was no no more booze left. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. That's how I drank, you yeah. know, but I didn't drink every single day. Yeah. But I always needed something in my system. And if I didn't have any weed, yeah, I'd drink, you know. Yeah, so, I, I needed to be out of my mind in one in one way or another. So for you, would you say drugs, alcohol, weed, gambling, what it doesn't matter, anything? Just any any type of relief. Any type of relief I can get I need. Would you say you you're addicted to all of those things? Yeah. Yeah. I'm yep. addicted to relief. Yeah. And th- that stuff all brings it. Yeah. I mean, I can I can interchange, you know, a lot of a lot of words for one thing. You know, like you said, it's addiction, you know, like so then I end up I end up getting a job. But then uh, I I just couldn't stop like I couldn't stop smoking weed. I mean, I was like, this is going to help me get off all the other stuff. And then weed's not addictive. So I'm going to be able to stop. No problem. And it was. And of course, you read that. Right. I mean, yeah, it was it wasn't it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to have weed withdrawals or anything like that, you know, but it was it was harder to stop than I thought because I'm getting like this this giant bong, you know, I got all these all the paper. I the ritual aspect. Of yeah, it. yeah. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. So then, I, you know, I, I started I started a new job and um Next thing you know, I'm like, I'm smoking before I go to work. I'm taking a couple bong rips here and there before I go into work. And I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? I'm starting the same thing, the same insanity, you know, after all I had been through. My life was burnt to the ground. I have another opportunity to just kind of settle everything down. And what am I doing? I mean, yeah, I'm not raising hell like I was before, but it's just like, why am I doing this shit? You know, why do I need to get stoned before I, you know, well, yeah, I mean, sitting in traffic is pretty painful, but like, why, why do I need to do this? Why do I continue needing to have something in my, why can't I just be okay with myself? Why can't I just be okay with myself? Like, and I couldn't answer that question. I could not answer that question. I was so uncomfortable in my own skin. And that was from somebody who was like, I loved myself and hated myself at the same time. It was crazy. I don't have a problem. And then on the other hand, I'm like, you're a piece of shit. Look at you, you know? Yeah, I've heard somebody describe that as an egomaniac with an inferiority complex. No, absolutely. My buddy Billy says that. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. But you, you, you sat so. That's interesting. You, you were young. You, you were starting that new job, and you were like ripping weed, bong hits, and you, you looked at yourself, and you're like, "What the fuck?" Like you knew, you knew that it was wrong. Yeah. Could you stop? Uh, maybe not when you started to question yourself at that point. But you knew that this situation was wrong it at was, a young yeah. age. 
Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't going to be well it just wasn't going to be sustainable. And then it's like, all right, so then I'm going to be looking for my fourth job in one year. I mean, how appealing is that to an employer? How's your resume look, you know, like that's really um that's that's kind of grace in my opinion for, re- for a young kid like that. No, I to mean have that thought at it, that moment in time. And a lot of it, a lot of it came back to like like I said earlier where it's like the opportunities that my parents gave me, I'm really starting to kind of piss these away, you know? And then it kind of, you get into like the whole, you know, suicide and stuff like that. I never really had the, the only thing that kept me from really considering suicide was, all right, so I piss away all these opportunities that are given to me. Right. And then I kill myself with my, with my, leaving my parents, you know, holding the bag. That was the only thing keeping me, you know. And I but on the other side of it, I was like, you know what? If I die, do I really care? You know, like if I died, if somebody took me out and it looked like it was somebody else's fault for my death, maybe, you know, maybe all the people that love me would be, you know, I wouldn't get the blame for it, you know. And again, the insanity of it. What's going to get me more people at my funeral? Right, right. It's like, oh, this guy was stabbed in like a barroom brawl, you know. But it's like this guy went into it knowing that he went into a situation that was going to get himself killed because he wanted to die. I mean. (laughs) I had suicidal thoughts. Uh, I never thought about how to do it or anything like that. But I I definitely – ran into those spots where it was like this fucking blows this is so difficult i can't my mind is fucked up like i'm just fucked like this this world is tough i think it would be easier just to be done with it yeah yeah well and i was like i'm in such a i put myself in such a hole the amount of money spent on all of it in that short amount of time, it made me sick. It made me sick to my stomach, you know, and that was really tough for me to let go in the beginning, you know, early sobriety for me. I'm like, yeah, I'm sober, but like, I am such a fuck up, man. Look at me, you know, I'm going to get up for my 24 hour chip and people are going to start booing me, you know. They know my dad, and it's like, oh, this fucking guy's here, you know, like, it's like, oh, my God, like, yeah. all the all these, th- I just couldn't shut my mind off, you know, but, uh, again, I couldn't, I couldn't get relief anymore, I couldn't get relief anymore, but slowly, you know, I, I've, I've started to, you know, get that relief in participating in my own recovery did you um so for me my story isn't relapse um a lot of my friends are mine mine isn't uh yet you know i understand the yet's no, saying of course. that is it part of yours it hasn't been yeah because so, like i said i mean in the beginning like i thought i was actually sober but actually not putting anything in my system yeah. since i since i stopped um i haven't yeah no yeah. i haven't no, no. I mean, this put nothing in your system. I was like you. I knew I knew 0.0 about AA. Right. I just wasn't in my life. Right. And my wife, you know, God worked through worked through her. There's no doubt in my mind because when I surrendered that night, 
she was loving and caring and understanding, and she printed out AA meetings. That was what she did. Yeah. So I went to some meetings, and I never stopped going. Yeah. But I continued to use prescription drugs that weren't mine for the first four or five months. Right. Not knowing. I I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I thought I was I, I was sober. I would collect my chips, but I didn't know. I wasn't lying. I wasn't lying. To yeah, myself. no, that's how I looked at it. I was like, I don't think this is. I don't really think there's anything wrong with it, you know. But and, and then I heard a woman tell that story how she had to change her sobriety date, and I was like, it hit me between yeah. the eyes, and I was like, okay, but I got to change it. Yeah, but I think it's important for people. People are just listening to you know. This is how we learn. Like, I no, didn't absolutely. Know. How was I going? Well, I'm grateful that I heard her speak. Because if I didn't hear her speak, who knows? I may have been going to meetings for a couple of years, and yeah, I don't know. No, I know. But it was a learning process, and that's what this all—you know—that's what this all is. We learned, right? Yeah, no, as absolutely. As long as we're open-minded, right? And we, we, we. So, but yeah, I'm like you in that respect. <laughs> yeah, I know it's too funny. I mean, <laughs> like, like you said, like I truly in my, you know, I was like, I'm sober, you know. And I look back on it now. It's like that was the furthest thing from the truth. Yes, I I was legitimately not drinking, but my mind is elsewhere. I'm, I'm I can barely sit in a, in a chair in an AA meeting. You know, like right. I I can't even have like normal conversations with people and stuff. Yet I'm like, oh, you know, I'm giving the sobriety thing a real, you know, yeah, a really you know sincere effort now. You know, and, so uh, clarify this for me. So you would, so you came in. To the halls, yeah, and you at the when you first came in a couple times, you were smoking weed, yeah, and but that stopped like pretty quickly, yeah, that stopped. So that that was like in for people who because other people, you know, you're not it, the only one, right? So I'm going to I'm I'm going to meetings with uh I'm going to meetings with my father, and I'm like, yeah, you know, I think um I think I'm ready to kind of give this thing like a, a legitimate. A second chance here you know and um so we start going to meetings for a couple weeks early in november and for the first two weeks i'm still smoking weed going to meetings and then after that two weeks i because i wasn't drinking either so i'm like oh you know this is sobriety but then after two weeks of going to meetings i was like you know what i gotta just stop smoking weed why am I doing? Why am I doing this to myself? I'm giving myself credit for not doing cocaine, Adderall, and drinking. Why do I need to continue smoking weed? You know, so I end up just putting that down and just kind of. I mean, th- did the obsession go away day one? Hell no. I would think about it all the time. I did would f- fantasize about all these things. I would fantasize about drinking, gambling. I would fantasize about being able to use. You know. For a long time, at least six months, you know, pray for the obsession to go away. I tried, but like it did not go away for a really long time. Today, I don't obsess over it. I don't obsess over it, which is an absolute gift. The thought will come into my mind. And it's funny, right? Because last week I had to do uh, I had to do an inventory count for a client that we have. And. So what what is their line of business? Of course it's 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 marijuana. But I mean the obsession wasn't there for me, you wow. know. It didn't I wasn't like, oh, you know, like I mean you can't buy it in where that where they were doing business anyway. You need a a card for it, but it wasn't um But even the smell though. 
you know. Oh no, of course the smell. I mean, I still enjoy the smell of I it. I do too. But I like the smell of it. I think it I'll smells tell great. You, it is a wonderful drug. It when is when it's not abused, right? Like it gets such. Unfortunately, in our no, I, culture, I, it gets a bad right, rap. Right. Don't get me wrong. I mean, al- addicts and alcoholics shouldn't be smoking weed right, or, or, right. or taking THC, in my opinion. But uh, I know I can't. Yeah, no, I I just looked at it as I mean I, I needed to because uh, I would I would go back and forth on. It. I'm like. My life <laughs> since starting smoking weed has actually improved, you know, aside from the fact that I'm spending a ton of money on it, but I'm not spending nearly as much money as I was on Coke and Adderall. That wasn't mine, you know, when I was, you know, the prescription and insurances helped me out on it wasn't that bad. But, you know, just off, the just black off. market stuff in the gambling, you know, but. You know, actually, actually being able to say that, like, I, I didn't have anything in my system after those two weeks of going to meetings with my father was, um, you know, I started getting relief from it, you know, slowly, slowly, you know. And, Patience, uh, right? Yeah, it was I, we tough. We got to talk about, like, if the, if somebody knew right now, I have a buddy in Danvers who's seven days. Yeah. And he's pumped. Like, he's, he's ready this time. Like, I... You right. know, he he seems you know definitely seems like he's ready, and uh, but it's it's he wants it all now, and I right. get it. Oh my I god, it. I, I completely and identify. How with fucking that. bad does it suck that you have to not only be craving and fucking your head spinning, right. but you also have to practice patience? Are you shitting? Yeah. Me? Plus, I'm in the red. I mean, I'm Plus, working. <laughs> you know, I'm like, holy fuck! I'm sober. I'm poor. I have a job, and all my money is going out the door for. But that's where the one hour, one day yeah. comes in. Yeah. And it's so it's, true. Uh, it's corny. But if you can wrap your head around it and, and just try it, like yeah. just, or, it, and if you can't, try and get yourself around people who do. Right. And ask them and be in contact with them about it. Talk to them daily about living one day at a time. That's right. what I would suggest. Right. And I got hope. I mean, that's where I got the hope, you know? I'm like, this fucking sucks. Yep. Yeah, it does. This fucking absolutely sucks. But I'm hearing people who have experienced this stuff from me, you know? Yeah, there's people that have had issues and stuff like that. But, like, how do you go from having a bottom of, like, where I thought I was to actually having a happy, contented life, you know, regardless of the outside stuff, you know? Like... There's people that, you know, don't have a ton in, in the halls, but they're so happy. I saw, I How the that fuck do way. I get that? I wanted that. I want to get my hands on some of that because oh. I am not a happy person. I felt that same way. Yeah. So so you've been doing it. You made it those two weeks, and you felt awesome. And then you were like, well, I'm going to just try and keep doing this one day at a time. So the big the big thing was for, um, and, like, I'll say this. I'll say this um, when I'm sharing is the 24-hour chip for me was really big because my dad really was, he was a big proponent of going up and getting it. And when we went to different meetings, he was like, you haven't gotten a 24-hour chip here. Why don't you get – it's 24 hours to 29 days. And I'm like, oh, you know, like what if somebody from another meeting sees me getting a 24-hour chip and then they want the 24-hour chip back 
and then there's a big meeting and you know i get thrown out of aa because of it you know that's how my mind works i can justify anything you know like my dad was like shut the fuck up and just get your fucking chip you know like and um so i would do that you know i i was open to um i was open to taking suggestions because I would hear that. And it was that like, flipped though, man, because you were a huge ego. I wasn't. I wasn't. And but I got myself to a point where I was like, you know what? I'm ready to listen now. I wasn't ready to listen to my dad before. Dickhead Zach, you know, I'm not gonna listen to him. Um, it's great that he's got all this sobriety, but I make more money than him. And I like all, all these things. I was like He's too close. Like, I'm not going to listen to him or anything like that. And um, when I actually allowed myself to listen, that That, made a big difference for me. That's the magic, man. It's like if that could be bottled up and given to guys. Because, you know, some guys and some women and, and, you know, me to a certain extent, you you just want them to get it so bad. You want them to be healthy. Right. You know? Like, for me, it's just – it's. And it's very humbling too. I mean, again, it's like when I when I was going into a meeting, like early on, it's like, and like a lot of people will say this. It's like they don't want to. When people ask you how you're doing, of course, it's like, oh, I'm doing fantastic. You know, I'm just checking out what's going on here. Like, heard there was an AA meeting. You know, maybe I could come here and help some people. You know, like. That was that was me completely. Like I want when people try to help me, I want to say no, no, no. I can help you instead. You know, like how can I help you? I don't like receiving help. Self reliance. You know, that was another thing. And where did self reliance get me? You know, but it changed. It did change. It did change. And um, another thing for me was the the alcathons around the holidays because. That's just a tough time where, you know, you have a lot of feelings and emotions and stuff like that. And for me, where I was at and where I was at with my family situation, too. I mean, I wasn't I wasn't going to holidays. I was spending those by myself towards the end. And for me, like all I could do is just um, go to meetings, you know, go to work and go to meetings. Like those are the only two things that I was really willing to do in the beginning. Um, and then slowly, you know, my, my relationship with my father actually kind of got restored a little bit because he, I don't think he really, um, he definitely didn't trust me at all, but he was willing to, you know, kind of love me from a distance sort of thing. Cause that guy did not enable me at all. You know, I, I, I was, I would try, I would try to manip I could manipulate a lot of people in my life. I could never manipulate my dad. I mean, he's he was been there. The he's been there. Face. Yeah, he's been there. I mean, he knows what it's like, and um, I couldn't do it. And again, that was like one of the things where it was like step one for me. It's like I had exhausted all my avenues, and the one that I had left was my dad. And it was, you know, have him show me the way to getting sober and maybe turning my life around. But to get back to the Alcathons, um, I end up hearing this guy speak and he talked about his his mind being a bad neighborhood. And that hit me right between the eyes. His mind is a bad neighborhood. He's got, you know, 
he can't he's got a mind he can't trust you know because i always i was like it's not i'm smart i have great ideas and then at the end i'm like i haven't had a great idea in so long my first ten thousand thoughts are the wrong thoughts you know and i was like wow and he shared his story he shared about how he got sober and the other thing that he said was um allowing somebody else to do the thinking for him and not having an opinion on his on his sobriety i'm like wow and that's tough for me i got an opinion on everything you know i i can tell you how to run your whole life and it's like well how's your life going ah oh, it's fucking horrible actually but um allowing somebody else to do the thinking for me i was like you know what people are talking about sponsorship around here and that was probably that was probably like a month and a half almost two months into into my recovery this was the christmas alcathon he talks about the meeting that he goes to it's on sunday mornings i end up just following that guy i'm like you know what i'm just gonna start going to that meeting and at this point i'm like whether my dad comes or not i'm just kind of all in on on just hitting meetings and and giving this thing an honest effort you know so I start going to that Sunday meeting and um I start getting close to this guy and um I end up asking him to be my sponsor and um it's been great it's been it's just been crazy crazy good you know like that's what I said in the beginning like you know I can't process like a year because I, I still don't even really know what's going on from that perspective. All I did was I just try to chase sobriety. And like I would hear that too. If I chase my recovery, like I chase the booze and the drugs, like I chased a four-hour car ride from Burlington, Vermont. If I chase my recovery that way, I have a decent shot at staying sober for one day. That and means- being sober for one day is a gift. I never thought that. I never thought that. But when... When you're like me and you are used to putting something in your system every single day, a day of being comfortable in your own skin is an absolute gift. That is a miracle in itself. That is a miracle for an alcoholic and a drug addict to be comfortable in your own skin for one day. That is fucking, man, that is the balls, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and, and I, I, that's why I can't even like, I just look at things a lot different than I, than I used to, you know, and I, and I need to stay, I need to stay, you know, constant vigilance is another thing I hear. I mean, I, I want to stay right in the middle. I don't want to get too low where, you know, oh, if I die, the world's better off without me. I don't want to get too high where if I die, the world's going to end. Just keep me right in the middle, you know? Allow, you know, let me be the person that just tries to do the next right thing. Try to help somebody. Try not to hurt anybody. That's where I want to be, you know? Me too. That's that's just where I want to be. It's amazing. It's been amazing. And I just can't say enough about it, about, you know, the program of, of AA, you know, like, and just recovery in general. Like, it's truly amazing. Like, when people talk about, like, the transmission line, right? the power of another alcoholic and an addict talking to someone. I did not believe in that. I did not believe in that. I was just like, I don't see how 
I don't see how a group of people meeting in here can like really give you what you need to get through the day. I it just but I wasn't giving it an honest effort. I wasn't actually trying to listen and identify. It was always compare. This person is way worse than I am. This person's kind of better off than I am. I honestly don't even know what they're doing here. You know, like once I was able to start identifying with people, it gives you this unexplainable feeling of like knowing that you have somebody else in the trenches with you, having those same feelings, having those same thoughts, but they're doing okay and they're not going to pick up and use over it. And like, holy fuck, you know, if they're doing it, I can do it, you know, and I can get through, I can get through the day. And it's not easy, obviously, especially outside stuff that I have no control over happening. That was something that I would, you know, struggle with. I have no control over something happening and it's not the result that I want. Naturally, what I want to do, I want to get, you know, shattered, drunk or high and just go disappear somewhere. So I don't have to feel feelings. You know, today I can just look at it and and feel those feelings. And I know I got people in my corner that I can call and, you know, that are going to be there for me and are going to genuinely care about me and and they're going to genuinely want to see me succeed and do well in life. I didn't I didn't have a lot of people like that in my life, you know, towards the end. I really didn't. I thought I did. Oh, they want to see me do well, you know, because they they always got the drugs for me to buy from them, you know? You know, like these people just, the people that I met in AA, um, it's, it's truly amazing. I mean, just to show a complete stranger to just be like actually happy for them starting to like put their life back together. It's just so. It's awesome. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. It really is. It is. You're great, man. You're doing a great job. You have an unbelievable message for, you know, younger people, newcomers. I mean, I could talk all day. We talked about, um, you know, the transmission line, the accountability piece, and, and um, being open-minded. I mean, that's that's the huge one. You know, there's there's a direct correlation, and my friend Kenny says it, between how many meetings I attend and how the way I feel. No, oh, Absolutely. And a lot of that is um, because I can be open-minded now and listen to what people in that room say, then it makes me feel good. Right. No, absolutely. And then I help other people and I feel better. So we'll get out of here. We get That's like an hour and 15 minutes. I could go on and on, but we'll, we'll, we'll get together again. No, certainly. And... Um, Appreciate you coming over today, oh, man. Of course. Great message, Zach. Appreciate you having me. Thank you. Then I'll throw some fastballs by you. All right, there you go. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, you're awesome. Thank you. I appreciate it.
Great message, man. No, it was good stuff. It was really good stuff. Great message. I hope it helps somebody. I'm sure it will. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, it helped me, for sure. <laughs> it helps me.